Hello and welcome to this week's episode from A Lancashire Lass with me, Lucy Baxter, as featured on BBC Radio 4 Extra's Podcast Hour, BBC Radio Manchester and also now BBC Radio Lancashire. Joining me today are Heather Moore and Alex Earle from Lancashire County Council's Adoption and Fostering Services. How are you two today? Great, thank you. Good, very warm, but it's lovely. <laughs> lovely day. So obviously it's something that I'm not as confident in and know a lot about, so it's going to be really interesting for me to learn about fostering and adoption. Um, so I was thinking to start with fostering, and why don't you just sort of tell me what it is? I know what it is, but like more specifically maybe what it is. Okay, so um, obviously Lancashire County Council is a local authority um, that has to um, look after a number of children, a quite a large number of children within the Lancashire area. Um, who've maybe experienced some form of abuse or neglect um, from their parents or um, some sort of birth family members um, within their family and that results in them obviously coming into the care of the local authority and one of the main um, forms of carers we use is our own foster carers so we have a large number of children that we need to look after as a local authority um, and we need foster carers in order to do that um, the children can have a range of their own needs um, and of all different ages. So they can be anywhere from newborn babies right up to teenagers that need looking after in a safe and stable home environment um, of foster carers of all ages, all backgrounds, all cultures, religions, um, everyone really with all sorts of different life experiences um, can become a foster carer um, and can look after those children that we need a stable home for that they may not have had in their own birth family. Um, foster carers are obviously responsible for um, all the day-to-day -day care um, offered to um, young people and children and babies. Um, that can be sibling groups, it can be teenagers, um, it, like I say, it can be newborn babies um, and they are expected to look after those children every day and also to um, get them to school um, ensure that they enjoy their education, that they um, are healthy, that they're taken to their health appointments, um, that they are transported to and from school or nursery and that they um, get to have contact with their birth family. Um, so that's fostering in a nutshell, really. And what is the process that takes place when a child goes into foster care? Sort of when they're taken off their parents or, or like you said, do they then go to sort of, I don't know, a, um, like a house or do they immediately go into foster, like with foster parents or what's that process like? Um, so the process um, generally is that the childcare social workers will um, get in touch with the placements team um, and the placements team will start looking for a foster placement immediately for that child or that sibling group. Um, and we have emergency carers um, who can pretty much st step in straight away and with the social workers will look at the placement list and see who has vacancies for the foster carers and then generally they will move straight into that foster home that day or night or whatever time of day it is um, a lot of our foster carers are willing and able and assessed to take children on an emergency basis so for example if a home is needed straight away then our foster carers are willing to take 
those children there and then. And how long do children tend to stay in foster care for? Um, and like what age do they typically go into fostering? And I guess that's not really everyone's different in terms of age. Yeah, absolutely. You're absolutely right, Lucy. So um, it can be any age group at all. Um, like I say, it can be children that we recognise um, prior to even being born um, during a pregnancy. It can be children who, uh, you know, 16, 17. It just depends on that um, individual family circumstances. Um, we are desperate in Lancashire, particularly for foster carers who are willing to take on siblings, who are willing to take on teenagers, and also um, foster carers who may be interested in caring for parents and children together. So we quite um, often see the courts or children's social services um, requesting that children and parents are brought into foster homes together so that they can have the opportunity to parent their children within a home environment. So we're looking for carers for all those sorts of groups. Like how many children are currently waiting for foster parents or are currently in foster care in Lancashire County Council? Um, so Lancashire currently have approximately 2,000 children in care. Obviously that varies and some of those children um, you know, are in different sorts of placements, but generally that's how many. And we're generally looking for around 11 families per week for our children that are looked after. Um, and like I said before, they can be anywhere from sort of newborn babies right up to late teenage years. And I guess for foster parents, when they, because I know that if you foster, sometimes you can, it, that can lead to adopting the child. But is it difficult for those parents that just foster and then they move on? Do you think that's quite difficult when they form like attachments for the child and for the parent? Um, yeah, it can be, obviously. I mean, um, I've always said um, I've been, you know, a social worker for a long time with um, Lancashire and I've worked in fostering for a long time as well. Um, and I always say that I don't think you'd be um, a good foster carer or a human being if you didn't become attached to that child and if you didn't, you know, miss that child or become upset when that child moves on. Um, however, you know, there is foster carers receive a lot of training and we do a lot of work around attachment and helping that child move on. Um, and also, you know, the foster carers sometimes maybe need a bit of time between placements just to come to terms with that child moving on. Um, but a lot of our foster carers also keep in touch with the children and the young people that they've fostered. And, you know, I know foster carers who've ended up going to the christenings of the babies of the children they've looked after and gone to birthday parties and weddings and all sorts of things where they've kept in touch. And then some foster carers choose not to because that's, you know, that was their role at that time. And they've now chosen, you know, to focus on their own family or them them as an individual um, and they don't go on to have a relationship it just depends on that individual foster care there's no set rules about contact moving forward it's just what's comfortable for that person and that child or young person and how has the the pandemic affected sort of the fostering process and maybe the amount of people children sorry going into care and things like that it hasn't really. Um, we obviously, like all organisations, Lancashire County Council Fostering Services had to um, adapt its ways of working um, to fit with the pandemic. Obviously, we make sure we follow all the government guidelines. We've reduced the amount of face-to-face -face visits we have. And a lot of our work is, like everybody else, is done via Zoom or via Teams um, to make sure that, you know, we maintain as much safety as possible and minimise the risks of, of 
of carrying any coronavirus, um, you know, about Lancashire, if you will. Um, so obviously, when we go on our visits, we do we generally do just two face to face visits during our assessment process now, whereas we used to do sort of six to eight. Um, and when we go on those face to face visits, we're obviously wearing masks, full PPE, making sure we have sanitize our hands. We'll do visits in the garden if it's possible, if it's a, if it's a confidential space that we can do it outside. We'll try and make sure we can do that. Um, but yeah, we still continue to need foster care as nothing's changed in terms of the amount of children coming into care um, and nothing's changed about the amount of vulnerable children and young people that still need homes and still need foster carers. Again, that can depend entirely on the child's individual circumstances. Um, so, for example, it might be that the child's just brought in for a couple of weeks whilst parents undergo assessments and they maybe improve their own um, individual circumstances, whether that be home conditions or get some support for themselves with other personal issues that they may have. Um, or it might be that that child is um, subject to care proceedings and they're going through the courts and the court um, a judge is making decisions about that child's long-term care plan. So in that case, it might be a few months. Um, and it, we also obviously have children who are permanently in care and the decision has been made that that child needs a permanent home until they reach independence. And so for what is the, like, who's eligible to be foster parents? Is there like an upper age limit? And so sort of what's the process for these people if they want to become foster parents? Um, okay, so there isn't an age limit. Um, you just have to be over 21 um, and you have to have um, you have to live in a home that has a bedroom suitable for a child. Um, it doesn't you know, you don't have to own your own home. It literally um, as long as you're over 21 and you have a bedroom that you could that a child could live in, then that that's the basic criteria. We'd urge anyone um, that's over 21 or who has a spare bedroom to contact us um, to discuss your own individual circumstances, because, as I've said, we accept um, foster carers from all sorts of backgrounds. So, you know, even if you've got something that you think may stop you becoming a foster carer, you can definitely ring our service um, on 0300. 1236723 or in, you can inquire online also at www.lancashire.gov.uk forward slash fostering and you can fill in an inquiry form and then one of our experienced duty workers can ring you back and discuss all of your individual circumstances but there's definitely no kind of like limits on age um, experience qualifications anything like that really we just urge everyone to um, contact us and discuss your own individual circumstances. And then how long could it potentially take from filling out that form to looking after a, a child? Okay, so when you fill in that initial form, generally someone will ring you back that day or the following day, unless it's a weekend, then it will obviously be the following Monday. Um, but generally that's um, how long that bit of the process takes. And then you'll discuss initially with um, one of our experienced duty workers, what um, your own individual circumstances are and if you meet the basic criteria and then we'd come out um, and do um, a face-to-face -face initial visit just to check out your own home and, and get to know a bit more about you and your family circumstances um, and all being well at that stage um, you will be accepted for an assessment and it generally takes around four to six months for that um, process to be completed people quite often think it takes years to be a foster carer or an adopter and literally it, it can take four to six months that's that's good to know as you said I thought it would take a lot longer than a few months and this might be a question you're not allowed to answer or not so if it is just let me know but did you say that it was 11 sort of 11 
children a week you're trying to find foster care for was that or what did you say it was 11 families you were looking for? so it's 11 families so that could be made up of, of sibling groups or individual children that's still a lot i was that quite yeah shocked me that um yeah and if we turn to adoption um what's and as you said like before you start recording you've both worked in fostering and adoption what would you say the main differences between between the two um so the, the reasons for children being placed for adoption they tend to be the same as the children who are placed into foster care um they are children that can't stay within their their family um or, or anyone within the family unit um and the the so for whatever reason in, in that child's background or that family history, they, they cannot stay at home and a, a permanent home needs to be found for them. Um, one of the main differences is that an adoptive home is, is a permanent legal forever home for that child. So with foster care, a child will continue to be a child who is looked after by the local authority and, and the local authority will have um, shared parental responsibility for that child and they will continue to have a social worker um, Throughout, throughout their time in, in foster care. Um, whereas with adoption, a child, um, they, they, they join that family, they, they are adopted, they are, that, that, they are part of that family, they are legally part of that family, um, and they are a permanent member of that family and they have all of the same rights um, and sort of experiences as any child that, that joins a family um, through, through, through natural childbirth, for example. Um, so it is that there is that expectation that these, these people who come to us to consider adoption um, are committed to that child for for the duration of their lifetime and um, really so that is one of one of the main differences really um in terms of, of sort of the, the legalities of it and with adoption obviously they take the surname like you said with the like the legal sort of stance that they have and then am i right in thinking that for foster parents they get paid a bit and adoption don't is that right yeah yeah yeah, yeah so foster carers get an allowance um for caring for the children or child that they look after and that's per child on a weekly basis um, so they get a weekly allowance to um, allow you know to support them to provide for that child financially um, and that they can work their way up um, with experience and with more training as to how much money they earn per week. There isn't an allowance attached to um, to adoption so the expectation is that that child joins that family as, as any child would join a family um, through sort of joining a family naturally um, and that the parents provide for them financially and, and be able to sort of accommodate them for that um, but just to say as well with foster carers they, they do have to do sort of fostering is kind of a role that they will fulfill and there's a lot of things that they have to do in addition to um being an adoptive parent such as taking a child to ongoing family time and um, completing a lot of paperwork going keeping up with ongoing training there is a lot of things that they are expected to do that that sort of adopters once that adoption order is is finalized they they no longer have to um to complete so that is also where sort of that that allowance does come into it. They get expenses for transporting children to and from contact as well. And I just don't know whether it's worth mentioning as well um, that with adoption, obviously they get adoption leave pay, don't they, Heather, when they start, when they first adopt a child? Yeah, so when, when, adopt, when a child is first placed, 
um, adopters are entitled to take adoption leave. So that will vary from um, company to company and depends on how long um, a, a family are able to financially take away from work. But it should mirror any sort of maternity or paternity adoption rights that any um, company provides for a family. So it should mirror the same. So they are entitled to that paid time off work um, the same way that anybody um, would be entitled if they took maternity leave, for example. Um, so that does sort of help with that, that financial side. And is there any, um, this is probably a difficult question, is there any better time for a child to be adopted or sort of settle into a, a family environment? I'm just thinking like maybe if they were a baby, is it sort of slightly easier for them to get used to because they wouldn't have known anything different compared to if a child was like in their teens or something? That's a difficult question to answer. I suppose um, there are different different background factors that come into all of our children who are placed for adoption and uh, what I would say is is different to fostering is the age range is slightly different for children who are adopted um, so we are generally looking at a younger group of children who are placed for adoption we do sort of we have had children that have been up to the age of eight who have been placed for adoption but um, a, a lot a lot of the time we are looking at sort of the 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 younger age range of that um, and it's it depends on sort of what their experiences have, have been, how good their, their relationship with their foster care has been as well. We've had children that have been placed at an older age that have just settled into their adoptive home wonderfully and have been slightly older. And then some, some younger children who, who might have some challenges and difficulties that have moved on at a younger age. So there is no right time. Um, but obviously there, there is the process of um, adoption. Is, is always going to be in the event of there being nobody else who was able to care for that child. So the priority would always be in, 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 in our view and in the court's view is that a child should remain with their birth family wherever it is safe and possible to do so. And that includes assessing um, the birth parents as much as possible and providing them with, with as much support as we can do to try to sustain them staying at home. And if they're unable to do so, it's also then looking at any other family members within the within, within that family unit so, or friends um, who are a close family friends uh, and looking at anybody who's got that connection to maintain that familial relationship it's only when that isn't a possibility that adoption would be considered for those children so depending on the child's experiences and who who else is potentially able to offer care to that child the care proceedings can go on just that little bit longer so a child is obviously getting older but it is right for that child that those things are explored and um, so that we are that the right children who, who are being placed for for adoption um so in the long term so the understanding of what an adopted child's needs would be because obviously we're, we're hoping that that they will be able to fill that role and be able to talk to a child about being adopted and share their experiences that they've had and the reasons why they no longer live with their birth family and share that in a really sensitive but positive way so that it's never um, something that's difficult for them to talk about. Um, with fostering, the assessment focuses a lot on um, sort of their ability to meet the children's needs. So things like Alex has spoken about um, making sure that they're healthy, making sure that they're able to keep them in school, you know, and, and meet all of their educational needs as well um, as that. So there is quite a lot of overlap between the assessments, but they just look slightly different because they ultimately they, um, the goal at the end is, is a little bit different. Uh, but we do in both assessments, we want to know everything that we can get about all of our applicants so it's quite an intensive process a lot of people say it's like therapy um they kind of we, we go right back to childhood what was their experiences like childhood and growing up their experiences of school um we we sort of want to find out as much as we can we tend to know more about our 
are um, adopted and foster carers then their friends their closest friends and family <laughs> do by the end of it um, but we do have the opportunity to build that really close working relationship and, and get to know them because we can't make a recommendation if we don't know um, if we don't feel that we know these these people who are coming forward to look after the most vulnerable children. And then once the adoption's taken place, do they still, do Lancashire County Council still sort of check up on the children or is it then sort of totally the adopted parents and family's role and responsibility? Yeah. So I would say so um, in April, Lancashire County Council, in uh, the adoption team, we became Adoption Lancashire and Blackpool. Um, so we did merge with the Blackpool service to be able to become a Northwest Regional Adoption Agency and share and pool our resources uh, and staff. Uh, and so both our recruitment and assessment and support team and the post-adoption support team, we come under Adoption Lancashire and Blackpool. Um, and when an adoption order is granted providing that there's no ongoing support needs we we kind of the families go off and and live their lives um as any any family would do um however the post-adoption support team is available for any needs so it's pick up the phone give them a call and say we're just struggling um with with certain things we run uh, they run support groups regularly so a new parent support group which is all virtual at the moment but hopefully we'll go back to being face-to-face in the not too distant future they run events um summer summer events so the picnic in the park and they have winter events so there is still um involvement there should adopters choose to access it and then people speak very highly of that support that is available um, but that is down to the adopter's choice um otherwise we're the family supported by universal services so things like health visitor school nursery um any any sort of children's centers that are nearby um but the support service is there for anybody who feels that they need some additional support they're also the people that would um manage any ongoing mailbox contacts so there is an expectation that as a minimum there'll be a letter sent um, from um, the adoptive family to birth family um, and hopefully one will be received in, in return and that sort of maintains that familial relationship and, and can keep people updated and it's really valuable for children to know that their, their birth parents or any brothers or sisters that they've got that they no longer have any direct time with or grandparents they can keep tabs kind of on, on how they're doing so the post-adoption support team they manage um, that as well so it's all sent so it's all maintained very confidentially um but there'll just sort of be that involvement there from them as well and how does it work if someone wants to adopt a child and they've gone through the process do you choose the best child for them or do they sort of and it's, it's this sounds really bad but do they sort of choose boy girl it's difficult but how does that work um, it's a good question and it, it's it's kind of difficult to answer because I think a lot of people kind of come um, through the adoption process and think well we, we, some, some people have a view of, of having preferences I think that's the best way of, of putting it um, we would discourage any preferences in terms of hair colour eye colour that, that mm -hmm. kind of thing some people do tend to have a very strong preference for a boy or a girl um, where possible we do try to discourage that just because it does limit them when it comes to any future matching but um sometimes it is is a very strong preference but we have had people who have had really strong preferences for a girl for example and then we've, we've presented them with um a profile of a little boy and they've just gone oh yes it, it, it's you know we were not wrong to have that preference but actually we, we were um perhaps misleading ourselves i think a lot of people come to it and say well if we were having a 
child naturally we wouldn't be able to choose the the, mm. the sex of a child um but that that comes down to to the individual applicants and we discussed that through the assessment um when it comes to matching it is a really careful um carefully considered process so when we are assessing our adopters and this is one of the reasons that we we need to get to know them as much as possible we are going through what their matching considerations will be so what kind of home can they offer to a child are they able to offer a home to a to a group of brothers and sisters can they care for more than one child can they care for children that maybe have some additional health needs or some complexities or some unknown um issues that might be in their future so we we sort of have to really um dig deep in in sort of what our adopters feel that they are comfortable in being able to offer um, and we create a profile and a really thorough assessment on them um, and then that's sort of considered by the children's social workers as well and without going into too much details about sort of what what happens because it's quite a long process that i'm sure people don't necessarily want <laughs> to hear about um, but we would look what we are looking for is who were the best adopters who are the best parents or parent for this child we're not looking for a child for a family we are looking for a family for a child so it very much is child-centered and looking at what that child needs and then looking at who is the best home for this child in the long term um who can can meet the family time needs who can share their story their background who can deal with that level of uncertainty that perhaps they may have um People generally have an age preference. So some people um, come to us wanting a younger uh, child and some are sort of preschool age and some are wanting to consider a slightly older child. And that comes down to their, their own um, family, their family situation, whether they've got children in the home already. Um, so we, we are very much looking at who is the best fit for a child um, rather than the other way around, if that makes sense. Yeah. And again, do you know, like, currently how many children are needing to be adopted or waiting to be adopted at the moment? Um, so I can give you the um, the figures that we had from last year. So in the um, the year of 2020 to 2021, so it runs April to April, um, we we matched 93 children with adopters and, and they went on to be um, to be placed with adopters um, so there was a mixture of ages of those children so some uh, there was 29 percent of those were under the age of one and um, 64.5 percent of were um, age one to four and um, there was six children aged five to nine um, that were placed for adoption last year so we do still need to recruit and that that number and that that changes um similar to alex that to, to the fostering team that number does change with um, children who are coming into care and the decisions being made in the court, whether they've got a care plan of adoption um, at the end of their care proceedings. And just sort of, well, some of There are different routes to adoption, which I think is worth mentioning as well. Um, so we do have an early permanence route, which is classed as concurrency or um, fostering for adoption, which kind of comes under the early permanence umbrella. And that is where we will, um, approved specialist adopters so the end result is always aimed to be one of adoption for, for the people who come to us for this um, but we will approve them as both adopters and as foster carers so when that child is first removed from birth family they will um 
they will move to this concurrent placement and the, the carers will then foster that child um, whilst those decisions are being made. The adults do have to take on a level of risk in this, um, in that the decision may well be that the child doesn't doesn't go um, down the adoption route and that they do return to, um, to a member of the birth family, whether that be a grandparent or an aunt or an uncle. Um, and but, but for the child, if they are to be placed for adoption, it means that they stay where they are. They don't they don't move from a foster placement to an adoptive placement. Um, so it does kind of come under our best for baby um, term as well, because for them, they, they experience um, they either move to a member of the birth family or they stay where they are. Um, so I think it's it's a, a really it's worth noting that that means that they start to build those attachments from an early an early stage. Um, however, concurrency isn't right for every child, and it's certainly not right for every adopter because of the level of risk that that is involved in that. Um, so the children who are placed by mainstream adoption may be slightly older because they've gone through the care proceedings route. Um, so closer to sort of the the one year mark perhaps I think um, in, in age by the time that, that those decisions have been made for those children um, but they're still very young and they're still still babies and doing very baby things and still have a number of developmental milestones that they can go through and that our, our adopters can experience with um, with the children so first steps and um, you know first for shoes and all of those things that they can still go on and experience with them just just um, not as a, as a newborn perhaps and is the process for adoption different to fostering? Do you have to do, I don't know, like, well, you'll do the same checks, but we do have to go further into them because it's permanent. Um, it is it's similar. It is very similar. So the assessment process is quite, quite similar, but ours is slightly longer than the fostering um, than the fostering assessment. So ours is separated into stage two, as is the fostering assessment, but stage one and stage two are run at the same time just to try and get our foster carers approved as soon as possible. Um, with um, the adoption assessment, when our adopters have sort of made that inquiry and they uh, want to progress with an adoption application, we'll go into stage one and that's where we'll do all of our, our statutory checks. So things like a DBS check, our adopters need and foster carers need to have a medical with their GP just to make sure that there's no health um, concerns or issues that, that may impact on their ability to care for a child in the long term. Um, we, in both the fostering and adoption assessment, we will write to friends and family um, to sort of find out a little bit about who they are are in real life because there's only so much we can find out in our assessment process um, and we do things like the health and safety checks and any pet assessments if there's any any pets in the house we just want to make sure that they're safe to be around children um, and any sort of previous employers that where you've worked with any children or vulnerable people and that is the same for both fostering and adoption um, when we move into stage two the focus of both assessments is slightly different for adoption we are um, looking at sort of the long-term permanence aspect of what our adoptive applicants can offer making sure that they are able to continue to provide that care um, what would you say for fostering and adoption are the things that aren't correct that the public thinks about fostering and adoption maybe the myths or you know things that aren't correct but we all have in our head are I think it's really interesting and definitely I've learned a lot about the process and what happens and things like that so yeah thank you so much you're welcome <laughs> thank you you said before Lucy that people often presume that it takes a really long time to become a doctor or a foster carer and that really isn't the case like 
like we've both said, um, you know, you're looking at four to six months for that process for you to become an approved adopter or foster carer. I think people also presume that like maybe you need childcare experience, maybe you need to have parented your own children. Obviously, in an ideal world, we'd like you to have some sort of experience of working with children, whether that's on a voluntary basis, whether that's looking after nieces, nephews, other people's children. But generally, you don't need any childcare experience. You also don't need any sort of qualifications to become a foster carer or an adopter. We just ask that you, like we said at the start, that you're over 21, that you have a home where there is um, a spare bedroom that's appropriate for a child to live in and that you can provide a stable and loving home for some of Lancashire's most vulnerable yeah. children. And we would very much um, welcome inquiries from, from everybody. Um, and I think it's really, really um, clear that we would, we, we don't have any sort of, as long as you're over the age of 21, um, you have a spare bedroom, um, that's the same for adoption. So it doesn't matter whether you own your own home, whether you're in a relationship or, or you are a single applicant um, or in a same-sex relationship, it, it, everybody, any ethnicity, please do give us a call um, and sort of have a chat with one of our duty social workers on both teams. So we found the number for our duty team for Adoption Lancashire and Blackpool is 0300 um, and we've also got a website with lots of information and adopter stories so you can have a read through that and see how other people's journeys went and that is www.adoptionlancashireblackpool.org.uk um, and you can fill an inquiry form there to get in touch and one of us will give, give you a call if you've got anything that you you wanted to talk about well that's great I Thanks for listening and we'll see you next week. To keep up to date with all things from a Lancashire Lass, follow on Facebook and Instagram at from a Lancashire Lass. Don't forget to hit subscribe or follow so you can keep up to date with when each new episode is out.